Hi, hello. Hello again. Hello again, yes. <laughs> so is this how a free day looks for you, Jason? This is a free day. I'm doing podcasts in my free time. <laughs> yeah, you talked this morning already, right? We did. We had a morning walk together, a virtual morning walk. Yeah. Also about podcasts. How about podcasts? Yes. <laughs> nice. Can you tell uh, more about it? What are your other yeah. podcast plans? Yeah, so we're going to uh, start building more eminence with our DNI proposition. Uh, and one of the ideas is to do a monthly or bi monthly podcast. Uh, and uh, we're launching it on International Women's Day. Cool. So be on the lookout. Be on the lookout, yeah. So we wanted to gain more experience, Monique. That's why we brought in Niels, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Jason, do you want to start off? Yes, first of all, welcome Niels uh, as our guest uh, today for the topic that we're going to talk about. Uh, but also, before we kick off, uh, we always have a shake our head moment of the week or shake my head moment of the week. Um, where and where we actually explain or just elaborate on a situation where we thought and literally we're shaking our heads like, oh no, is this happening to me? A situation that might be awkward, but something you can laugh about as well. And maybe Monique, you can introduce the first shake your head moment of the week um, to illustrate also what we mean with it. Well, it was actually yesterday. We all saw the news, right? About ice skating and about the possibilities uh, that, uh, of course, there may be an Elfstedentocht, but of course it's not gonna happen, but maybe it's possible. So we have the schaatskoorts, like the skating fever, uh, how you would literally tra translate it. And I, uh, I got a bit of that fever and not even a bit, it was a lot. So I was smiling all day and I was running to the house and I don't know, I got so excited. And but because I'm still on the reintegration uh, thingy, I don't have that much energy and I have to be all right, this kind of scarce. So what actually happened that I got so excited that I got really tired of all that excitement and that I really had to sleep more and maybe I'm not even <laughs> able to do it because I spent all my energy on the excitement, which is kind of sad. You were but, more excited than Christmas Day. You were really... Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I, cannot, I can barely sleep. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of my thing that I'm a bit afraid that I won't have enough energy at the end of the week just because I'm... Uh, yeah, I cannot sleep over this excitement. And do you have ice skates? For me, it was this impossible quest this week to gain some ice skates and I, I didn't succeed. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, really <laughs> yeah, I do. Have if that. you're listening, I don't know when this podcast is being sent out. But if you're having a size 45 ice skates and you don't plan on using them, mm. let me know. I will Please. check for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I have my ice skates ready. I do it every week. Even if there's uh, not not enough ice on the yeah oh, wow. outside, so um, yeah, that's why I got a bit feverish. So that was my uh, shake my head moment uh, of yesterday, actually. And um, what was yours, Niels? Yes. Yeah. Now that you like introduced it again, I I feel like I I have misinterpreted my shake my head moment because it was something I was shaking my head at, but I don't know if I should really laugh at it but it was also on the news yesterday uh, with Thierry Baudet uh, the Dutch uh, 
yeah political yeah. guy slash clown and he there, again there were some statements he made in group chats that were very controversial um and uh and it's also like this whole situation is starting to look a little bit like the trumpian uh yeah mm -hmm. uh scene in america but there was also a very positive thing this week i think Arjen lubach in sunday with lubach yes he, yes <laughs> he he did like the perfect thing how you could sure. tackle this kind of uh yeah the way he he behaves by kind of downplaying all people who think differently than Thierry Baudet. He used it against him with really good rhetoric in why his arguments about Corona really don't hold up. Yeah. So, good. so Zondag with Lubach is a um, parody kind of talk show on the Sundays. And um, I think the way he did it also, he used the deep fake technology even to look like this particular person and even sound like this person as well yeah. which made it even kind of scary i would almost say yeah yeah it was so well thought out yeah. Yeah. it was on point really yeah. but i don't think you miss i don't think you misinterpreted this Niels, because this is literally a great moment of shake my head i would say mm -hmm. yeah what was yours jason did you have one yeah so mine was actually related to um so i I do uh, ILA coaching, so inclusive leadership assessment coaching with also um, leaders or people from leadership in um, globally. So also with people in America. So I had to work late because of course with time zones, I had to do them in the evenings. But what happens then our schedule actually moved also a little bit uh, towards the evening, which meant that I was done um, with the coaching session and then went down and we, uh, me and my partner, we cooked and then we ate. And what we normally do after eating is we do an evening walk outside. But when we finished eating, we actually looked at the clock and of course we have a curfew. So it was a couple of minutes before nine. So that was totally something we missed in planning our evenings that we were supposed to stay inside. And of course we did, but it was a shake my head moment in that sense that I completely forgot about that curfew. Yeah. And it was such a nice day to walk. I, I think you're talking about Monday, right? It was, yeah. 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 But yeah. Perfect snow walk. Yeah. But I made up with it. So this morning I went out uh, in a virtual walk with Neil. So I, I do do other <laughs> walks that remain within, out of the side that the time was of the curfew. Thanks for sharing. We can, but there were more uh, sad stories this time. <laughs> but it's also good. It's what it is, right? It is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> Amen. Amen, yeah. So, Niels, we brought you in because we wanted to talk about a nice topic and something actually that you are, I would say, I would call you an expert on it because you did your thesis on it. And was the topic of feedback? Yeah. Yeah, very uh, exciting topic. I think it's uh, one of the reasons I decided to do my thesis about it. So I can I can answer this from like all the good reasons about feedback that I think what, like why it's important. But for me, it's a little bit more personal. I think that my father was really really involved in sports coaching, and I used to play tennis a lot. And this was the the best way of bonding together that we went to like tennis tournaments and tennis training and uh, we would also kind of reflect on every match and we would just like 
he would give a lot of feedback, but do it in this very constructive way where we would be allies in my kind of development as a tennis player. So I think as a child, I encountered a lot of feedback also. Yeah, that's where I really saw the, the added value of feedback uh, for the person like receiving it in their development, but also for the person giving it uh, because you learn a lot about the sensitivity that is involved in giving feedback and you start thinking more about this person you are collaborating with, like who would this person like to receive his feedback. And uh, yeah, it, it helped me a lot in becoming better as a collaborator or team player uh, to be involved with this topic. So uh, when I got offered the opportunity to do something with it in my thesis, uh, it really wasn't that hard of a decision. Cool. And you um, did like the your your thesis research within our team, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So originally it was uh, mostly focused on change management, and there were some other people collaborating from human capital as well. It is kind of a tool with four uh, domains. So there there are two axes. Uh, one the one the first axis is care personally, which in her words means to give a damn at work, and she. <laughs> always explains this in her videos, like that when you start working at a firm and your ego is like maximally fragile, you're young and people tell you to be professional. And that is really important when you, when you step into an organization. And a lot of people, they interpret that as kind of leaving their personal side at home or they, they mm -hmm. just become kind of a little bit robotic or less authentic. And mm -hmm. she stresses that people should be more than just professional, that people should also... Uh, take that like more compassionate side with them and especially when they are engaged in feedback conversations so that's the first axis and then there's the second axis which means uh, which stands for challenge directly and this is like speaking your mind speaking yeah the truth or at least your interpretation or your version of the truth in order to get to the ultimate truth in a collaborative process with other people. And she says that this is really hard for a lot of people to do, especially in certain cultures, because we learn from a young age that if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. Um, and you can behave in any of the four axes. So um, let's say if you do not care personally and you do not challenge people directly, she calls this manipulative insincerity. And then the most interesting one, I think, uh, I know I struggle with this quadrant a lot where we kind of do care personally, but we do not always challenge directly. And this yeah. is kind of paradoxical because you feel like you are helping this person by not challenging them or by taking their feelings into account. But really, you you are not helping them on the long term because they might not be aware of the behavior they're displaying or about some mistakes or or you could be wrong like maybe you're misinterpreting and by not challenging this people this this person about your perception you don't give this person the opportunity to kind of correct your thinking and then there's the last quadrant which is radical candor and this is when you do care personally and when you also challenge uh, people directly but that's where you want to be. That's where you want to be. Yeah. But that is no one is ever always in radical candor. So she also stresses that this quadrant, it shouldn't be used to label people like, oh, this no. is someone who is manipulative insincerity, or this is someone who is radically candid. But this is just 
you can use it as a compass to kind of guide a conversation or to uh, uh, see where you're at at certain times of the day, for example. Yeah, yeah. nice. What, what was her main reason that she did that she structured this? Was it indeed like uh, try to be, be most of the time in that uh, radical candid um, corner or indeed a conversation or what was her main goal? Yeah, so she stresses that it is best to most of the time be in the radically can in the radical candor quadrant so one really important aspect of being in radical candor is not just that you have the intention to be compassionate but really that the other person perceives you to be compassionate that's that's more important than your intention Uh, and it it can take some while to it can take a while to build the trust that is needed for other people to really perceive you to be in this quadrant Uh, i love that I immediately have to translate into the inclusive leadership assessment as well, where there is always a discrepancy between how you rate yourself versus how others rate you. So I can definitely resonate, that definitely resonates with me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and this is what I, what I like about the study that I did in, in the end. Um, so I did, I kind of built an experiment. I, I developed a workshop based on this book, a three hour virtual workshop. And I, um, conducted this workshop with 22 people, uh, consultants and managers from mostly change management and some other teams, and also 22 people in the control group who didn't get this workshop. Uh, Every candidate would fill in this self-assessment two weeks before the workshop, uh, the pre-measurement, and a self-assessment two weeks after the workshop, the post-measurement. But if you would only look at self-assessments, yeah, it, it would be interesting to see if they think they had given more feedback and to see if they think that they were more compassionate. Um, but it wouldn't really tell you anything about how their coworkers perceive them. Um, but with the, yeah, the, I could say the great dedication from all the people here at Deloitte, uh, we actually managed to uh, have for every participant have an average of three co-workers also rating their behavior in the pre-measurement and in the post-measurement. So the data showed results from their self-assessment, how they thought they kind of evolved through this process, but also uh, how their direct co-workers uh, perceived them and how they evolved through this process. So yeah, we got a lot of rich data and it was interesting also to what you're saying, Jason, that that there is this, definitely there is this misconception about how people think they are behaving and how other people see they are behaving. We saw that in the in the study as well. Always difficult, yeah. It also reminds me, I, I recently read an article in the Academy of Management Journal. They also did a similar study actually, where they also used different models on feedback. In this, in this case, it was negative feedback, which would lead to more creativity or so some models would propose but they actually said that it also it matters in what sense the um, feedback givers and the receivers what kind of direction flow it is so what they stated in their article was that for example if you had um, bottom-up feedback that was always perceived as something that was positive or constructive for creativity because leaders or people that are hierarchical damn it that is a, <laughs> is a hard word yeah. <laughs> hierarchical higher up the hierarchy they perceived or were able to more socially distance themselves from the feedback that was given 
when compared to people that are peers or people that are um, lower in the hierarchy. Is it also something that you discussed or found anything in your study, Niels? Yeah, that, that was not really something I researched. So I, I did see there were differences in, say, job level, for example, mm -hmm. um, that there was this negative correlation, a significant correlation between seeking, actively seeking feedback uh, and job role. So to mm -hmm. translate that, people higher in the hierarchy at Deloitte tend to uh, inquire less feed feedback. And I also found that, uh, which was actually interesting because it was one of the, or the first study that actually found a ripple effect in feedback behavior. So what we saw was people who tend to give more feedback um, that their coworkers in turn also delivered and inquired more feedback themselves. So people are kind of primed in this way. And this is also how you can really shape culture starting with individual feedback interventions that they kind of ripple out. And we saw that this effect was bigger for people who were higher up the hierarchy, so manager ups, uh, than it, did, it was for bottom up. So if, if you are looking at feedback and hierarchy, the only things that we focused on in this study was that it is even more important for manager ups to actively inquire feedback. It is the best way to also stimulate psychological safety, but also to be this role model for other people to inquire in feedback. And, and then there's the last thing that uh, there's most to gain for people higher in the hierarchy. They tend to uh, engage less in feedback than uh, their peers or their, uh, mm -hmm. their business analysts or consultants, for yeah. let's say. Yeah. And besides these hierarchy um, findings, what, what were the key takeaways? of your uh, thesis yeah so well first of all we found that the intervention was effective in stimulating feedback activity uh, on, on the short term at least within two weeks but not the most quintessential pattern that you would ultimately like to get when you conduct a research like this so ideally you would like to see that the control group remains equal in feedback activity and that the experiment group has this increase in feedback activity. But in my study, um, there was a decrease for the control group in feedback activity. And the uh, experiment group had a slight increase in feedback activity. And I think that this is due to the fact that, that I performed the research in the first lockdown. So a lot of people had other things top of mind than engaging in feedback. And a workshop is a good prime for people to remind them, hey, keep, keep doing this. And also in a digital environment, be aware that, that this is still very important. So my main conclusion, at least in testing the effectiveness of the workshop, was that the workshop was able to mitigate this decreasing effect in feedback behavior in an online environment. Um, but we should test it again in a non-online environment to see if it really also increases significantly. And one other thing I researched was is if negative feedback uh, had a negative uh, or positive effect on the quality of working relationships. So we also looked into how all the participants scored on their working relationships and if there was a correlation with more delivering of critical feedback and if this um, 
yeah, would alter the, the, the quality of their working relationships. And it's an interesting question because um, originally in feedback research, negative feedback is seen as a punishment. So if you really go back to the first feedback studies, that is uh, Pavlov or, Sk or Skinner, you just mm -hmm. reinforce people uh, with either a, a stimulation or a punishment or a reward. Uh, and uh, negative feedback is always seen as a punishment. But if you do it compassionately and you're really trying to help this other person do better and you're also able to make this other per person perceive your compassion, uh, it's not really a punishment anymore. So this is a new way of looking at negative feedback. And uh, it was one of the first studies that really aimed to show an eff a positive effect on the quality of working relationships when people engage more in negative feedback. Uh, and there was a, a small increase uh, in high quality relationships, but it was not significant. Um, but there was also not a decrease. So it, it does uh, beg the question to do more, more studies related to radical candor or compassionate feedback. And mm. uh, yeah. um, because I believe if, if done right, and you kind of develop these relationships where you give each other continuous two-way feedback, that these are the best relationships to have at work because there's just so much transparency and psychological yeah. safety to engage in this behavior, uh, but it takes a while to get there. And I, I don't know if two weeks is enough to really build that with one workshop. I don't think so. You need to have a culture where you can actually foster this, right? Yeah. right. Yeah, Very interesting. I also see a link with the humanization thing that we do with change, right? Or that we want to achieve with our uh, change management approaches. Um, that that is also the important factor in the, in the feedback uh, that you can even make sure that negative feedback doesn't uh, end up um, yeah, lowering your, uh, your work and everything. Right. I do find it interesting that you focus on the working relationships, though, because yeah. is there also a correlation between performance um, with, with regards to negative feedback? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, negative feedback and performance is also an interesting one. There was this huge, like really huge meta study done by Kluger and Denisi in 1996, yeah. and they found that I think it was around 30, 33% of negative feedback interventions would be detrimental for performance. Mm. So they found that in, in all studies that they, that they looked at in their meta-analysis, 33% uh, or so uh, was, was, yeah, what didn't really help performance, it was detrimental for it. And then there was a part where it was kind of neutral, and then there were also uh, a substantial amount of studies where there was this big effect. And what they concluded is that negative feedback has the potential to be more beneficial than positive feedback, because if they looked at the studies where there was this positive effect, it was a much bigger positive effect on performance than when people would just focus on encouragement or positive feedback. But because there was because because the gap was so big between the detrimental studies and the positive studies, it just showed that there's there are so many factors we need to take into account that apparently play a huge role in whether negative feedback drives performance or not. And at, at this moment, 
science is not conclusive about these factors at all because they are really hard to isolate in a in a experiment and uh, i do believe that there are also two different concepts maybe even negative and positive feedback in that sense i don't think you can i think there are different things that are happening uh, on a psychological basis whenever you do negative feedback or positive feedback that i think you should even look at it differently as well and also the context which is based because I do believe negative feedback in that sense is based to make your performance or your task, the way you carry out tasks better because there was a gap that you identified with where you would want to perform versus where you are performing. So ideally, if you were to receive negative feedback, I would say you would also see it like that and focus on what that study also said, like on the task orientation, seeing, hey, this is the gap indeed. This is what I can do to perform better. But I think what happens in social patterns then, or if you regard or take things on a meta process that you take it personally for uh, um, whatever reason, then you actually get a negative effect because you see it as something that actually damages your personal relation and then I fail to really focus on, hey, this is a gap someone is given trying to help me close this gap yeah that's that's true yeah and that they look at this perspective that you're like this very isolated like performance oriented showing the gap and, and motivating people to go towards this this point where they should go uh and i think spe specifically in in a cultures as deloitte or like big corporations you have processes that are at play like your personal image or the the strength of your relationship like there are all these uh, all these interactions that sometimes last only a few weeks and then you would have to send yeah. them a snapchat or a snapshot and you would be uh, you would give feedback in this very formal way and Maybe we I, I do indeed uh, make a snapchat uh, for feedback snapchat fun. feedback <laughs> <laughs> Informal Snapchat. I would, I would say TikTok. Snapshot. Let's do the TikTok <laughs> feedback then. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. You know? Yeah, indeed. Yeah. I think um, we can discuss this um, for plenty more uh, hours if we want to, but unfortunately, we don't have the time. <laughs> and uh, I think people have to uh, go home uh, with their walks, you know, they don't have endlessly. So um, I want to conclude this uh, and I actually wanted to ask you Niels what um, is a kind of a practical takeaway that you want everyone to uh, be cautious uh, of or um... the tip of the day yeah, yeah. the tip of the day so what what I like to do and I think this is it's maybe a bit easier for me because I started with this workshop but when I start collaborating with people I I always tell them like hey I I am kind of experimenting with this radical candor concept this is what it looks like and I really want to build this skill so would you want to be my partner in this or are you okay if I do this sometimes and know that it comes from good intent but I really want to be a better coach and help you perform and also help myself perform better uh, and then if you had this conversation, then always start with the question uh, to people, what can I do or stop doing to make it easier to work with me? That's the first step in moving to radical candor. Ask feedback first, show that you can take it before you start dishing it out. And from there on, uh, yeah, build those radically candid relationships. I love it. Very practical. Indeed. Thanks. 
Thank you for having me, uh, guys. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. I just still had my uh, my uh, sound on mute, so I didn't hear what you said. Oh, I said, welcome to the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Such a warm welcome. Yeah, yes. it's nice to start with the classic, right? I was on mute. <laughs> That's a classic. Where was the management bingo, indeed? <laughs> so, Jochem, um, the way we wanted to do this, actually, before we start talking, we just wanted to do a what we call a sort of rapid fire kind of questionnaire. Um, so what will happen, we will just start a timer for one minute, and I will just fire to closed questions to you, which you can just answer to with the goal to get as much as many questions answered within the one minute. And then we will, or Monique and I are going to pay attention to what you are saying and then just maybe also use it as a conversation starter or opener. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Timer ready. And yeah. I'll start with the questions. Jochem, how many cups of coffee do you usually drink in a day? None. Do you consider yourself to be a goal-oriented person? Yes. What grocery store do you shop most often? <laughs> uh, just supermarket. Do you think other intelligent life exists in the universe? Yes. How many cans of soda do you drink on an average week? None. Do you prefer big parties or small gatherings? Big parties. Are you more of an introvert or an extrovert? Uh, a bit of both. Do you think the future will be better or worse than the present? <laughs> oh, uh, better with some, some side notes. Have you ever gotten a speeding ticket? Yes. Do you usually wear a watch? Yes. Can you wiggle your ears? Oh. Uh, That's it. I guess. <laughs> That's it. Oh, then we want to see it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, no, it's hard. <laughs> Good job. I think we almost yeah. got 11 questions yes, or something indeed. in one minute. Nice. So not a coffee uh, lover? No, no, used to though. Uh, but uh, I got a bit stressed from it. And like, like those energy swings, mm. I didn't kind of like that. So uh, I quit, uh, quit uh, drinking coffee during my uh, student years. And now is it, do you drink tea or what is your? Yeah, loads of tea. <laughs> oh, nice. nice and, yeah. The speeding yeah, ticket. I was speeding uh, ticket. <laughs> it was spot on. But uh, what did you do? Yeah, okay, you were driving yeah, too fast. I, I was driving too fast. <laughs> Was it was it really bad or was it just like ah damn it a lot of kilometers couple of kilometers? Uh, it was, <laughs> wasn't so bad, <laughs> uh, but it was in like the one I vividly remember was in Swiss, uh, and it's really <gasps> tricky there because yes. you they they sort of it feels like they arrange it for you to get a, get a speeding ticket. Uh, and that's also how I explained it to my parents because it was their car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that is also really tricky because they put it on the opposite side of the street sometimes. And then also in uh, like they flash you full frontal. Yeah, it's like you're, you're totally, uh, you feel really busted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So 
a lot of interesting questions, but maybe if we were to ask you who is Jochum, how would you introduce yourself? Well, I guess the, the question about the future uh, is, is a very uh, spot on one. Uh, I would introduce myself as someone who thinks a lot about that. Um, and from there on, I also got uh, uh, fascinated by the things that I search for within my work and within my studies. Um, I have more of a background in digital technology and how that uh, influences our work environment, but also personal lives. And um, from there on, I got more and more interested in sort of the question of how to stay human in a digital age. Uh, and therefore within Deloitte also looking for more opportunities to develop myself uh, in more personal growth uh, section. So uh, topics that I now really liked uh, were like high performing teams and business chemistry and more coaching related uh, topics. Um, and yeah, there are those, I don't know, the. The, that question, like like how to stay human, how to have meaningful interaction, where uh, whilst the, our context is digital, digitalizing more is something I'm really yeah interested in. Sounds like you were, you joined the right team then in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> and you're living in the, the right times then to really uh, make your research interesting, right? How do yeah. how do you how do you do that? Stay human in this uh, extremely virtual life that we have right now. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I think like our our vehicles of communications and our, our context of communications are changing, but we as humans are still want, uh, wanting and having the needs that are that are uh, that we used to have ages ago, and I, I believe we'll still have uh, in the future. And those are like just real moments where you connect and where you listen to each other and where you feel like you're being understood. Um, and I think those things uh, should stay the focus point of your interactions. And I think you can still do that when uh, having, for instance, a virtual <laughs> meeting like this. Yeah, nice. Speaking of connections, you mentioned big parties with a, I think a definite <laughs> yes. Is that is that the extrovert side of you that wants to do the big parties? Uh, yes, that's uh, that's accurately put. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the latest big party you went to? Probably uh, last year somewhere. Then. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, uh, I had a party uh, not so long ago. Uh, we all did a COVID test. Uh, and uh, we were all negative, so we could we could do the do the party. It was not a big party though; it was like a, like a smaller party. Um, but it felt really big, right? It felt yeah. big. <laughs> yeah, it felt really big. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, yeah, I, I really like uh, bigger parties uh, because, like, that, that feeling of of dancing with a whole group of people that gives me. Uh, yeah, a sense of freedom. And also it's a moment where I don't need to think as much. Like I, I, I can right. stop thinking about our future and about connecting and all those, those things <laughs> and just, just be in the moment. Uh, so yeah. that's, I think also why I really like that. And I believe it was you actually that told me that you were in the street at grocery shopping when all of a sudden in the streets there was also a big party. Yeah, that was last Sunday. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry, that was last Monday. In Sunday you had it in the Van Wouw. That's also 
uh, in my neighborhood, but I missed that one. But this Monday, I walked to the Hemoni Land. Oh, and, I read about it. Uh, <laughs> there, there was suddenly a party. So we, we dropped everything and we just <laughs> went dancing on the street with a lot of people. Yeah, it was really nice. So jealous. <laughs> I get goosebumps just thinking about or just <laughs> seeing that happening in front of me. Yeah. It was also funny that uh, like it was all age uh, mixed. So young people, old people, and also everyone was sober. That was also different than normal parties. <laughs> uh, but everyone was so, so much energy and so happy. So yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, it was nice to, to experience. That is so nice. Yeah. I'm there right now. <laughs> You're dancing there. <laughs> Oh, so nice. Yeah. yeah, nice. So, Jochem, is there anything else that you want our colleagues that they need to know about you? Yeah, maybe also a bit more what I do when not working and not, not yeah. studying. Uh, I really love going uh, to the beach. Um, I surf a lot and kite surf. Of course. And, uh, yeah, I really like being in the water. Uh, also gives me a feeling of just being there and not thinking about anything at all. Um, so uh, yeah, that's the, when I'm free, I, I try to be as much as possible at the sea. Nice. Uh, and also I really like to write. Um, that sort of started off with poems and more short stories. Um, and uh, now this last half year, <clears throat> I uh, also had a bit of time off before I started doing this job. Um, so I started writing a novel as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed doing that. Um, and I'm actually now finishing up the last chapter. So uh, that's, that's also oh, kind of nice. exciting. So we yeah. might be looking at the new best author of the next, uh, <laughs> next book. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. It's it's very weird. Like you you write and you you don't know if it's good because like normally you're so used to that when you're handing in an assignment or you're working yeah. for, for 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 work or either for for your education, you always have sort of a check and also you have a boundary and a framework in which you have to operate. And now it's like you're totally free. Free and you also don't know <laughs> if it's good. <laughs> uh, but what is good according to whom? Yeah, who, I think, who defines it in, I think in, the, it's re good in the real if, world? <laughs> if people like like to read it, that's that's for me at least. Uh, yeah. A, a so KPI. do you have a publisher yet? Uh, no, I'm first want to finish the book, and then I'm gonna look for a publisher. Cool. Interesting. Very exciting. So yeah. uh, keep us uh, up to date about this. Yeah, yeah, but definitely also a skill you can use because I, I think we even had at a certain point like storytelling or maybe uh, because we want always to define a purpose in which we use storytelling. So it's definitely a skill I would say you're from to put into practice as well. Nice. Maybe we have to add it to my development plan. We can do that, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jochem, for joining us and introducing yourself and being part of it and playing along with the game. And uh, yeah. yeah, hopefully we can see each other again at a big party, maybe a Mahler again uh, to connect and then uh, hope so. enjoy nice. our freedom again. So sounds good. And thanks for having me. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening in to our third podcast already. 
Uh, we hope you really enjoyed Niels's talk on feedback. And uh, we also hope that you uh, know Jochem a bit more now. Uh, Jason, yes. can you tell us a bit more on what we uh, ask from our listeners? Yes, of course. If you like this, feel free also to drop us a message. But also, if you want to be part of the next podcast, feel free to either drop us a voice message saying, yes, I have a shake my head moment that I'd like to share. Uh, I have a, a new topic that I want to bring in, share my knowledge on. We want this to platform to be for all colleagues. So join us. Take care and till next time. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.